Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast with Most Worshipful Brother Barry Birch on his follow-up to succession planning and how it's going a year later. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. Tools podcast. I'm Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung from Kelowna, British Columbia. With me tonight is Brother Connor Massey from Victoria, British Columbia. And from Washington State, we have very worshipful brother David Colbeth and very worshipful brother Matt Apple, the current district deputy. And with us tonight, most worshipful brother Barry Birch, who is the Immediate past Grand Master from the province of British Columbia and the Yukon. And uh, Brother Birch is uh, uh, here giving us an update. And uh, I'm excited to, to hear the updates and stats. It sounds like it's being uh, a successful program. Most worshipful. Well, thank you, Brother Chong. Again, good evening, brethren. Thanks for thanks for joining the Working Tools podcast, and again recognizing our brethren from uh, the United States of America. Thank you for joining us as well. Yeah, we're uh, you know the the success of any kind of a long term endeavor. Uh, it's the, the the eventual success is long term as well as the plan. So. Um, what we've tried to do in the first year was basically put the, put all the elements together uh, to get the three-year plan started, collect some data, uh, analyze that information, adjust and adapt accordingly, and move into the second year. Now, sadly, because of uh, COVID-19, the direct meeting with the brethren as of course has been interrupted and these particular programs work best obviously when, when there's personal interaction. So uh, what we have done is uh, we've done the analysis, uh, the survey of the brethren that was done in the fall, those results will be uh, released shortly. Um, and in the interim, uh, just of interest, we're going to do uh, uh, a large health assessment, but this is going to be, um, uh, I guess we'll call it the Grand Lodge health assessment, because we're going to uh, basically put uh, the elected Grand Line, uh, which still includes myself as the immediate past Grand Master, 
the current district deputy grandmasters and the incoming district deputy grandmasters were going to go through that process adapted for Grand Lodge. And uh, we're going to do that uh, in over the summer. And so in and have those results provided so that when, when the Masonic year kicks back into gear again in whatever capacity that is in September, we'll have basically a Grand Lodge equivalent of the Lodge Health Assessment that will be provided to all of the lodges. And here's, here's how your elected Grand Line and your appointed uh, previously appointed district deputies and your currently appointed district deputies see the situation and here's what our plan is our plan if, of attack so if we're going to be putting the district deputies under the microscope why don't we put our very own matthew apple under the microscope too and, and have a report card done on him i i i'm only in office for another uh month and 10 days well that's enough oh. time <laughs> now the um so actually i, I was wondering um you you I've often said that Grand, our Grand Lodge, at least, that everyone's different, obviously, um, has a lot of information already that they, they don't use, that there's so much stuff in the database at Grand Lodge or in other sources of information that they have that just sort of languishes and, and doesn't get analyzed. And that then there's, you know, or they do a survey and, and then they do another survey to see how, how we've done since the last survey, but there wasn't like a goal. There wasn't a this will be success. If our next survey says that, whatever, our, our uh, Masonic education numbers go from 50% to 70%, that'll be a success. Is, have you, um, you and your successors uh, given a great deal of thought to what, what success would be over time, over the next three years or five years or whatever the time frame is? Uh, yeah, yes, yes we have. And, and, and again, uh, it's, that's a great, great question, my brother. The, Again, the first year we wanted to get, in essence, baseline data. And um, as alluded to in the previous uh, broadcast, we have uh, a number of sources recently developed. So, uh, so we have a lot of data, but we need a few years uh, of data to be actually to look for trends and so on and so forth. But certainly, for the things that appear to be uh, most important to uh, to our brethren, uh, we have uh, we don't we don't have targets per se at this point because again all we have is a baseline. But certainly in terms of of uh, the Masonic experience, one of the categories in the Lodge Health Assessment, we're looking at that very closely. Uh, it's sitting around 65% after the, after the first go-round. Um, that was a pretty good mark for me in high school, but that, I, don't think that's a, I don't think that's a really good mark for, uh, for, a Masonic, uh, for a Masonic Lodge to have or for a jurisdiction to have in terms of how the brethren perceive their, their Masonic experience. So there's some very specific things that we can do to improve on that. Uh, but in terms of a, of a, spe a specific number that we want to hit, we haven't, we haven't discussed that specifically. What we have discussed and, and what this 
Grand Lodge Health Assessment is, is going to do for us is we'll be dialing in uh, the specific programs to focus in on, on the areas that we believe. Well, I, I, would, I, I would imagine that really seeing the continued um, participation numbers uh, stay where they were or even grow, um, you know, year after year in, in doing the assessments is success in itself because what that really means is that we're getting the lodges to sit down and actually discuss it uh, amongst the brethren and um, that alone is is going to uh, create positives. No, I, I mean absolutely. The, the you know the design of uh, you know the design of the of the survey and the lodge health assessment in particular were were set up specifically for that purpose. So uh, when the survey results come out, uh, again they get distributed. I'm, I'm hoping that um, a number of lodges are doing Zoom meetings and one of them would be to focus in on, well, here are the, here are the results of the survey. What do you think, brethren? Um, it's to give us a chance to discuss that. And in, and in the lodge, in spe particularly, specifically, uh, again, there's, I know from, I, I participated, uh, I shouldn't say participated, I watched three different lodges do this. And the discussion and debate about picking a, picking a response was really interesting to observe. Because not everybody sees things the same way. And, uh, uh, you know, I observed, one of the things that I did observe in the three lodges that I was at, the older brethren all thought that the fellowship was great. The younger brethren weren't so sure. So, um, you know, yeah, old Joe and I have been, been Masonic pals for 25 years. Everything's great. Um, not, not everybody uh, views that the same way. So it was an interesting conversation. I know when we talked about the fellowship factor, um, we had very similar reaction was the older membership um, thought it was great and thought that they uh, they got what they were looking for out of the fellowship of, of uh, joining the lodge and the younger membership um, see they haven't had the the years together yet that the older guys have had um, to build those relationships and uh, and have those same experiences so um, it's interesting when we with the conversation that came about from it and so that's why that's you know it spun off for example us trying to do more events with the spouses and the families um, outside of our lodge nights um, in order to facilitate more of what those guys were looking for yeah yeah well again the, the, this the design you know the these are very, very uh, cleverly designed to, um, you know, when these are when this thing is done properly and facilitated properly, the discussion is is way more way more valuable than the results in the end because brethren now start to see each other's point of view a little bit more. So, you know, it, it, this this is interesting because um, 
I've done a lot of research uh, prior to running for, for the Grand South and because I was always been interested in the craft and, and how we could try and make it better. And I did a lot of, read a lot of surveys uh, about brethren and why they wanted to become Freemasons. And the number one, the overwhelmingly number one reason for that was fellowship and brotherhood. Uh, you know, 70, 80% of the, of the respondents typically say fellowship and brotherhood. Um, the second area of, of interest is, uh, was learning, learning more about Freemasonry and how I can apply it to my life, like Masonic education. Duh. You know, and what are the two things that, that are reflected in, in the Lodge Health Assessment when you look at the uh, uh, jurisdiction results? Um, fellowship. As I say, it's like 65% for us, which, you know, is all right. Uh, Masonic education is like 51 or 52. So, which again was a good mark for me in high school. So, uh, you know, so, so, uh, you know, the, the, the plan to move forward is pretty obvious and apparent. And this is not rocket science. If you've read anything about, uh, what brethren desire of the craft. This is this is has been going on for decades. So, you know, part of the challenge is so. All right, we need to improve our Masonic education. So, what what could we do to make it better? Well, go to the successful and best practices site on the British Columbia Yukon website, and you will see um, examples of lodges that. Their brethren say they do a really good job in Masonic education. So here are some examples, very specific things you can do. So, so you mentioned that, uh, that best practices section on the, on the website. Has that actually um, grown in the past year? Have a lot of people submitted um, more and more of their stories and, uh, experiences that uh, are helping them grow? Uh, we've gotten a few. Uh, I mean, obviously, because, you know, we've, we haven't been meeting for some time now. A lot of that, a lot of that stuff has dried up. I, and I was hoping, um, I was hoping that we would have had uh, the large health assessment results the second time about this time. And that was going to be the, what I was going to do is update that section uh, prior to the Grand Lodge communication. So um, I actually uh, actually oversee that. So when uh, when you go on the web web page and it says send your suggestions to successful and best practices, blah 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 blah, that actually comes to me, and you know I review them and well, I them up I, I, I just finally found it on the uh, on the site. And I can tell you it's grown dramatically because when I first found it, there was only four items on there. And uh, I think there's more like 20 something on here now. So I, I think that's fantastic. Um, and it looks like some pretty good labels up there too. So uh, well, that's great. Oh yeah. Good. Well, I mean, again, that's, that's based on, on uh, the best practices as identified by lodges through that large health assessment. So, 
again, you know, you get, you get data that indicates strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, you know, the, the third part to that process, and I didn't allude to it until uh, earlier, but is there's uh, a strategic planning process that accompanies this, which uh, went out to, again, went out to all the uh, lodge secretaries. So you get your results, you see some areas that need some work. How do we go about building a plan that can get us the results that we want? Well, here are three different options that you can use, planning processes, if you will. So, so that was the third part of that. And, and again, in the uh, uh, summary that came out of the 2019 survey of the brethren, um, something like 30 some odd percent of the brethren um, knew about the fact that there was a, a planning process. So 70% of the brethren in that survey had no idea that, that there was uh, a process and all that was again, was sent out. So, you know, there's some communication uh, gaps here that, uh, you know, need to need to be uh, need to be improved upon so that uh, we're sure that brethren are getting the information. Because brethren that I've talked to uh, and that DDGMs have told me about were when they participated with this, they really liked it. They thought it had value, gave them greater insights. Um, so. You know, this is one of these things. These are products that we created specifically for brethren to be able to uh, take charge of their Freemasonry, if you will, and uh, start to communicate. Um, you know, Worshipful Master, we're not happy. We're not happy with our community engagement. We need to get out and get noticed. So, Worshipful Master, we got to do something about this, Worshipful Master. I know, I'm sure if Matt was a deputy in BC and Yukon, then the message, the communication would have been 100%. It would have been delivered accurately and thoroughly, and there would have been no problem <laughs> with all well, the members. You know, actually, you know, your, your grandmaster was telling me about the neon signs that he personally paid for yes. over, the, over the lodges in his district. So. Only district two, yes. Only, oh, yeah. sorry, Matt. What a guy. As both deputy and secretary, I can affirm that that would be correct. <laughs> so I, it's I just amazing for a guy that has no facial hair, too. That's 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 outstanding. What did they do? They put up illuminated signs above all the lodges in the district. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the best practices of, of BC has to go to uh, I think it's Malahat Lodge has this big sign out front, and they've gotten what ten to fifteen new candidates. Yes, because and of they, it. They, they put a billboard uh, in there in a, their lodge is in a very small village. Um, and it's actually right on the road to uh, a private, a co-ed private school with uh, a lot of parents, well-heeled parents drive past their lodge every day to drop their kids off driving their Porsches and whatnot, you know, and there's, there literally is a billboard in front of their, in front of their uh, lodge hall, and yeah, it's 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 been a it's been amazing. Um, you know, I, I I know it's like in well, I do know a little bit about what it's like in Washington State, and 
and to know that that we're trying we're both in our own ways trying to raise the profile of the craft in our communities uh, you can imagine that not everybody's on side with this and it's not it tends to be the older brethren that aren't but it's not exclusive to them but this was um uh, this was a stance that, that uh, as part of the three-year plan that we've all agreed that we're, we're going to stay the course on this, that we'll take every opportunity to promote our existence. And when brethren do good work, um, you know, the, the, the traditional Masonic approach is, well, we just do it and, and we tire of the multitude because we don't need attention for that. Well, the fact of the matter is we do need attention. Uh, otherwise, we're not going to be around to make these contributions to our community. So, Amen. So, you know, Amen. this, uh, not, not every, <laughs> not every past grand master, not every past master, uh, not every past district deputy, uh, agrees, but, um, for the most part guys do. So I think, I think we've done too much secret work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one and, of the one of the and, best, and, and we've and we've emphasized the free and Freemasonry too much as well. But <laughs> well, one of the best kept secrets about Freemasonry is we're secret. So exactly, yeah. the, I've often said that even if we just even the local paper or on Facebook or whatever just took out ads that did nothing but said "Merry Christmas" from the Freemasons of Washington, you know, not advertising, please join or anything like that, but just you know, whatever, Happy Memorial Day or whatever from the, the Freemasons of Washington. Just let people know that we still exist because, oh, yeah, my grandfather, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, there are thousands, uh, thousands and thousands of men who are looking precisely for what Freemasonry has to offer but have no idea that we exist. And, and, and you know, I, I just looked in my uh, handy-dandy uh, modern device and on my lists in my contacts, I have six prospects for Prince Charles Lodge that were in process prior to COVID-19. And five of those six came from the internet. Three came from searching on Google and two came from searching on Facebook. Bingo. Right. So you're, you're doing a six step to initiation with them on Zoom? Uh, well, we were doing it through Skype for a while there, but uh, um, yeah, we are doing the six steps Good. to uh, initiation with them, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's unfortunate that we can't really meet in person because that's the they were in the process of meeting our, our guys, and, uh, and all of a sudden it's like breaks. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. Well, you know, uh, but we're keeping in touch with them during COVID. So. Yes. No. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah, going back to, to what you were saying, uh, Most Worshipful, the, the, I read a book recently, which I thought was right here. I was going to hold it up, but I, I, it's not on my desk here. It was called 41 Million Men. It's about the, our grandmaster actually gave it to each of the district deputies at his, uh, his district meetings. And I had already read it because I, I already had my copy. So I gave, I gave the copy he gave me to someone else to, to pass it along. And I'm it was about my um, copy. What's that? I'm looking for my copy, but yes, oh, yep. 40 million millennials, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's about yeah, the, the millennials and the, the generation of men that are coming of age now and, and sort of what they expect and what uh, masonry can be for them. 
and it was I, I found it very illuminating. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know a pretty uh, well. I mean, we're we're the beneficiaries. Uh, we know that we know the effect of that Freemasonry's had had on us and how it's made a difference in our lives and how we've internalized the principles of the craft and try to live them every day. And the, you know, the results, uh, you know, generally speak for themselves. So, uh, you know, I just, it, I find it frustrating that uh, there are again, thousands, thousands of, of, of men who, who are looking for this and, you know, we have to we really have to raise our profile. I mean, I can give you a really good example here. My my daughter's partner. Um, they've been they've been together for four and a half years. Uh, she, you know, she went through Job's daughters. I mean, I'm a, I'm a master mason. Uh, you know, so he was well aware of 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 all of this and. So it was only a year and a half ago where he, he finally said, what do I need to do to become a Freemason? You know, I, I was getting ready, getting ready to, uh, you know, get the cement shoes for him and drop him off in the harbor. But he didn't know, he didn't know what he needed to do to become, uh, to, to make that, to make that step. So, I mean, this is as close as it can get for me. I mean, uh, yeah, I think, you know. I think that's one of the strong myths of masonry is the idea that we're not supposed to recruit. I get that, that you're not supposed to twist a guy's arm. I don't know the ritual in Canada and I know you do like 16 different rituals there, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry, Steve, sorry, Connor, but in general, I believe there's, there's, one question and I assume it's very similar when the candidate is at the door and his first entry to the door, there's a question asked of him. And I know we weren't, I can't talk about it here on the show, but there's a question that's asked. And if you look at the ritual, he's, he's just about to, to do something at the door and he, and they've asked him a question. And if he can answer that question truthfully from his heart and then he's not being coerced. And I think, I think you can do basic, I think you could do basically anything to encourage a man to join masonry as long as that question is answered accurately and honestly at the door. So I, I, I shared experience before at Lodge Leadership Retreat, as a matter of fact, four or five years ago when I was there on a secret mission for long range planning, I sat at a table and I was asking questions of the guys that were there. And there was a, a middle-aged man there and probably in his late forties, early fifties. And he, I guess that makes me middle-aged. Uh, <laughs> he, he was talking about his, I asked everybody, I said, how long have you been a Mason? When did you join? How did you hear about it? And when it got to him, he said, well, I, my dad's been a Mason. My uncle's a Mason for, for most, as far as I can know. I was, since I was a kid, I would watch them. And they lived in a rural area on a farm, basically. He would watch his dad and his uncle come in out of the fields and get dressed up in a suit and go away for 20, 25 years and didn't know to ask, just like you said. And finally, he found out or figured out that he had to ask. And his dad said, well, it's about time. It's the old standard. It's about time. Well, if he had known what, what relationship he's missed, 20, 25 years of tight woven brotherly. I mean, I, I know there's family friendship and fam, family development there, but I, I, there's another level in masonry that you could bring together. And it's such a shame. It is such a shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, uh, you know, and I think part of that is actually the, the, the uh, Masons 
uh, not talking about Lodge at home. Um, there's no reason we can't talk about Lodge and the things that go on as far as the, the fellowship we experience and so on. Um, My wife wishes I know. would shut up about it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? You know, so the more people that, the more we openly talk about it, I think uh, is also key. Um, on the topic of, of, of talking about it at home, whilst I don't have a wife, I do have a roommate, but uh, it's, it's really hard to come and visit me and not know about Freemasonry because I have nine certificates just behind my screen here of all the different concordant bodies and, and lodges that I'm a member of. And uh, my apron case is usually, it's, it's sitting right here next to me and it's usually open. So you can always see my apron when you walk into the house. So uh, it might be more difficult to not know about Freemasonry if you're friends with me, but eh. Well, again, you know, the, you're absolutely right. The um, speaking about your experience in Freemasonry, um, you know, I, I used to when I was working. Uh, you know, I used used to come in and be having a coffee, and I'd say, you know, wow, I did, I had a fantastic night last night. Um, I know what 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 were you what were you up to, and you know, eventually would, people would, guys would come by and they'd say, okay, well, what, what was it, what was so special about last Tuesday night? Well, I said, well, you know, I, I was at my Masonic Lodge. It was great. Best people uh, you meet anywhere. It was a fantastic night. We had a, a great time, good festive board. Festive board, what's that? You know, and, and then leave it at that. And, um, so, you know, the best advertisement for Freemasonry is a, is a brother being a brother, exemplifying the craft, letting his Masonic light shine. Doesn't hurt to have something that identifies the square and compasses on you, you know. Uh, you know, Matt, I think, I think a, a square and compasses tattoo right in the middle of the forehead, I think it'd be perfect. I've, I've got quite a bit here, not as much as Steve maybe, but the, uh, I, I've often said one of the, actually I think I've said it here before, one of the, the best advertisement for Freemasonry is some guy saying to another guy, hey, you want to go out for a beer after work? And the, him saying, no, I can't, I'm going to lodge tonight. And that, that's a uh, priority that he has and it's something important to him and that he conveys that to, to his, his fellow yeah. men. Yeah, I think we are nearing the end of our show tonight, and I believe is it Dave has one more question for you, most worshipful brother. Sure. Well, it, it was sorry, it was not so much of a question. It's actually more of a question for Masons in general. Although it's a nice cross-border situation, our Grand Master was up in the winter time here visiting. I don't know if it was January, February. Uh, he was visiting uh, one of the lodges in British Columbia, Yukon, and the Grand Master, uh, most worshipful Franklin, I believe prior to closing lodge, pose these seven questions. And it's, it's, it kind of is a nice little long range planning, if you will, or a, a check uh, for members of your lodge. These seven questions. Number one, suppose your lodge was limited to 25 members. Would you be in or out? Mm. Number two, suppose you had to run for membership as a candidate runs for office. Would you win or lose? Number three, suppose your membership was for one year only, and then you had to be reelected depending on your service. Would you be reelected? Number four, suppose you were called upon to explain why you should be retained. Do you have a record of service to help in your defense? 
Number five, suppose every member did as you were doing. Would your lodge be the most active one around or would it disappear into obscurity? Number six, suppose you were charged with being a member. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. And number seven, well, suppose a young man was asked you what Freemasonry is and what it's about. Could you answer him? Do you have your 30-second commercial ready? All phenomenal questions. And you know what? The coolest thing is I look on the screen and I think every single one of us qualifies. <laughs> well, I think that's a wonderful thing to, uh, to contemplate. And uh, I, the event that he was talking about, I believe, was the installation of Columbia or Victoria Columbia number one, which is actually my father's lodge. So I was there. But uh, I do believe that we are coming to an end of our, our show tonight. So I'll hand it over to uh, my colleague, Steve Chung. All right. Well, <clears throat> like to, again, extend our, our, our uh, gratitude for you making the time to come on here and, and join us, Most Worshipful Brother Birch. Um, we always enjoy your company and your uh, knowledge and, and your life experiences. And uh, we, of course, invite you back. If there's another topic you'd like to uh, talk about, we most... Uh, uh, happily have you back and, and throw you on the schedule when it's convenient for you. Um, and so I, I know that uh, our brothers down south there in Washington, um, they'll get sharing this, this episode uh, when it launches and uh, we'll get sharing it across the net. So uh, hopefully um, it has a good impact uh, for a long time to come. Thanks again, most worshipful brother Birch for your update and uh, um, continued support as well. Great. Thank um, you. Thank you, brother. The working, the working tools podcast had another awesome episode. <laughs>